Welcome back to the Tomoff family. Olivia, Bill, Terry, and Ryan. Terry Tomoff wrote a book, The Focus Fight, a story about hope and survival of one ordinary family and their community of support to bring a two-year-old through five cancers over 20 years, three times leukemia and twice adult tongue cancer. In episode one, honoring supporting cast, the stars of disabling conditions, we met the Tomoffs and talked about, we're different, that's normal, spiritual health, pillows, pills, poop and piss, and freaking out. All inward looking, inward into the family. Today we'll shift our gaze out to the community and into the future. As care partner to several family members' end-of-life journeys, I felt the awkwardness of the loving, the concerned, and the generous. How can we help? What's acceptable language? Am I intruding? We'll hear thoughts from the Tomoffs about living through difficulties and bursting to share what worked and didn't work. How do these experiences change us? Do we see our same selves in the mirror year to year? We'll learn more about post-traumatic growth. So hang on while we chat some more with Bill, Olivia, Ryan, and Terry. If you didn't hear or read episode one, please stop and go back. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. When our boy Mike was dying at 26, and my mom at 87, we learned to manage people who wanted to help. They didn't know what to do, just like they didn't know what to say. An important moment for us as a family was during our Friday family calls with Mike and his girlfriend. On these calls, we planned everything we needed to do for the week, appointments, transportation, treatment, support, whatever they needed. Soon we added, what are four things we can say to people when they ask, what can we do? Because people don't know. We had a learning curve of getting to meet them where they were. They care. They don't have a clue. Help them out. It was a big moment figuring that out. You're actually, Danny, you're going quite a direction that many families probably couldn't get to, including ours. People would say, let me know how we can help. And we were just flat out. And we advise people, when you have somebody that you care about and you want to help, just do something. um, Because to expect them to carry that burden for you, you don't realize it. So kudos for what you guys did there. Yeah. Because yeah. I know it's really difficult for when people say that, when they say that to me, and I, when I t- consult with people who are going through similar situ- situations and they ask me, like, what can I do to help? I said, I will never call you. 
But if you come and show up with your lawnmower and cut my grass, <laughs> or you make brownies or cookies, which will never go to waste, that's how you can really help. And that's tangible. I think people look for the tangible. Yes, mm-hmm. are there people to, for you to call in the middle of the night that you can cry to? Sure, there. There's a couple of them out there that will right, help right. you. But right. so tangible things that people really want to do something for you. Yeah. And those things, but we'll never call you. If you can call us or say there's something specific, mm-hmm. can I can I grocery shop for you? What's on your list? Let me get bread, milk, and lunch meat. Is that good for you? Yes, that's a tangible thing. People feel great about themselves when they can help on those tangible levels. Yeah, yeah. As people find energy to share, to give back, to answer questions, they face new dilemmas. Comfort with sharing, others' comfort with hearing, messaging. I asked Ryan about his experience. My experience and how I overcame disease that I had, I think it's hard because some people don't, you know, understand, but you know, you try to get your story across and you've been through and just everything in between. I think mm-hmm. it's hard talking about it. And people always say, can I ask you about it? I'm like, yeah, ask me all you want. Mm-hmm. Some people may feel, feel offended that you're asking about their experiences. There's no playbook about how to manage family crises like these, whether they last a generation, a year, a few weeks. It kills me how unprepared we are. I don't know if there's any way to be prepared but I wonder if we wanted to write a curriculum for a family or a school so that people are more prepared to have the kind of strength you need, the vulnerability you need. Perhaps we can bottle something and sell it. First Bill, then Terry, then Olivia. We've changed, I think Terry and I and Olivia and Ryan, we have changed dramatically from the people we were. In a good, in a wonderful way. Again, I love what I've learned, what I, how I feel now. I, I would trade it back, but we don't get to choose mm-hmm. things that happen sometimes, uh, often. Yeah. And I, I was talking to Terry last night about this. As far as we have a society where people are very much me oriented. Well, me is fine as long as everyone's healthy and I'm free to chase my pursuits. But the reality is there are many people that don't have that. And so we need, and and this sounds cliche, but I'm passionate about it, this mindset of let's put others, think about others. Mm -hmm. Seriously, walk out the door and think about your community. Think about others. Just be kind to people. Don't mm-hmm. think that only happens to them. Doesn't happen to me. Don't judge. Mm-hmm. You never know what someone's going through. If we could just build more on the, the buzzword now is emotional intelligence. But if mm-hmm. we could get people there a little more genuinely, the world would be a much kinder and, and gentler place. Uh, I was just well, I was going to add also to that list mm-hmm. is empathy. And based on the year, past year and what we built, dealt with through all, for 24 years, going almost on 25, is the deep empathy needed. Not sympathy, not the pity, but mm-hmm. empathy. 
if we can teach that, we can bottle that up in schools, we can bottle that and sell it around at Target, then let's do it. Let's bottle empathy because that was that's the that's a huge piece of this whole pie uh, that mm-hmm. we're dealing with here. And it could be from again the doctors, the dog walkers. It doesn't. It could be an anybody in between, a, a little neighborhood kid, the paper boy. It's that kind of thing. And I think whether what level you're at, whether this is someone learning in college or dealing with an aging or a sick parent versus a child, certain things certainly go across all of that, but it might differ. But from my perspective, having empathy for like having a, which along with personal finance, how you have empathy was not something that was taught in an institutionalized practice in any school really that I went to. But I think the ability for me to understand where, you know, what the priorities were and still feeling like I was able to go forward and do my thing, which so I have some control in your life. Yeah, I'm not too much of a control freak, but I certainly like to have a plan and to or a loose plan and to yeah which I think for for so long it was like a we tried to have structure but that structure could just be uprooted at 2 a.m at any moment whatever I think that if I were like what I think should be formalized lesson or something I think empathy towards whoever is dealing with the illness as well as their immediate caretakers, because it allows me to understand my purpose or rank and just focus on that. There was never a, I should have both parents home with me because I'm also a Tomoff sibling. It was very much like the focus is needs to be on Ryan because I'm healthy. He's not. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's that's definitely something that must be hard for a 10 or 12 year old to understand, but was definitely helpful to me. Olivia's self-awareness of her experience in a supporting role of what normality meant to her growing up facing adversity informed her ability to share with and support others. She reflects on her development as an adult as a result of these powerful experiences. It has been a very interesting last year and a half with that question in general. But for me, and this has been the case since forever too, going back to my childhood, is movement is very important for me and my daily life, some form of loose structure. is helpful because then it's not complete chaos. Even though it changed, at least there was like a attempt Mm -hmm. at keeping everything normal and dealing with anything that might come my way. So like soccer and stuff like that. Yeah. Playing soccer forever, running, going out, playing tennis, walking, Mm -hmm. lifting, whatever it may be, yoga. I love all of it. So Mm -hmm. there's planning to kayak tomorrow. There's in any form for me being able to do something active daily. And then if I am so lucky to share an active activity with my friends or I go walk the parkway with my parents or 
Ryan and I go to the golfing range, whatever it might be, if I am so lucky to share that with someone, then that would be, you know, something that I would consider normal. And there were, there of course are many days that I can look back on that, how we're spent. That was the furthest thing from anyone's mind of when are they going to get a run in? It was more just, okay, we're going to go strap it in for a 10 hour day at the hospital or whatever. So I think for me, that's something that is Mm -hmm. normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's comforting. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Able to clear the mind, the body. It's yeah. Movement activity. What a message for me, for you, for anyone in any circumstances, normal equals movement. I love it. I will twofold of that question in a more tangible sense of things that I certainly know are from like PTSD of everything that went on. Some siblings or families that I know, they, their sibling has been like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to help (laughs) other families. I was like, I want nothing to do with medicine, needles, you name it. I do not want to see them. I really do not like needles. I give everyone a warning at almost 30 years old that I do not want to see it. I don't want to be told when that's Mm -hmm. getting blood taken, getting shots, getting my flu shot, getting other vaccines. I'm it's, I've had lots of knee surgeries, so that's plenty of needles in right. hospitals too. But all of that, like white coat syndrome, even right. though Ryan had the best doctors, most caring doctors, white coat syndrome for me is times a million. Yeah. And I think that other than that piece of it, how I approach my personal and professional life is different. So I am in tech consulting, doing system implementations and you know, work at a big four accounting firm. And sometimes to, of course, deadlines are important. Job is important, but, and we should always strive to do our best and where you can extend yourself. I, I don't want to say over, but where you can overextend yourself or extend yourself, you should do that for your client, of course. But there are certain things to me where I will just say, this is just not a priority to me. I don't need to work till 10 o'clock on this Friday night for you. It will either get done this weekend or you can have it on Monday. And that's just, I think that the ability to say, this is my perspective from everything that I have dealt with in my life is also beneficial to my boundaries at work and also in in my personal life. I don't I choose to deal with whatever storm and if I don't want to I just won't because yeah. it's white coat syndrome, no needles. Reasonable PTSD to me. Next, I asked Bill and Terry to share some about post-traumatic growth. Then we'll hear from Ryan. The post-traumatic growth was something that I we've been doing a long time and taking meals to the hospital and delivering quilts to pediatric wards and so forth. And we were on a plane to Nevada because we were going to be hiking out west. And I was reading an article on the Oprah Web. Oprah Winfrey magazine and it was about post-traumatic growth and this woman named Jenny Graves wrote this story and 
at 30,000 feet, I was like screaming in my chair saying, oh my gosh, Bill, you have to read this. There's a name for it that we've been doing. It's called post-traumatic growth. And as soon as I'm done with this this article, I'm going to pass it over to you. And that's exactly what I did. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society basically was built on this this uh, pr- premise of this man who lost his child to leukemia back in the early 80s or late 70s, started Leukemia Lymphoma Society. He turned that ugly thing that happened to him, the child's death, and he started a foundation. Now it's worldwide. Mm -hmm. They mostly do research, but that's fine. And then everybody else who has followed suit, people who've gone to war, who have come back and helped their fellow veterans, Veterans Administration, that's post-traumatic growth. Not everybody can do it, though. We have to understand Mm -hmm. that. It's not for everyone. But for those who want to learn from it, grow from it, and help others, Mm -hmm. then that's what post-traumatic growth can really catapult you for the rest of your life. Because you Mm -hmm. you put yourself in a different psyche, mindset. Mm -hmm. Bill, I want you to capitalize on what I just said. Danny, I would actually say that what you are doing right here with this podcast is good that you're trying to put out into the world in the awareness that you're trying is built is an example of post-traumatic growth that is built on these experiences that you've yeah. had where you can go and you have this ability to take it to a much different level because of your experiences. Yes. I, I would say you're living proof of post-traumatic growth. Yep. And the whole idea is we hear a lot about PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go and you check any YouTube for people who survived the Captain Sully landing on the Hudson. Mm -hmm. Many of those people have put out TED Talks about post-traumatic growth. Mm. It's just changed them to where they are committed to doing good in the world because Mm -hmm. of this traumatic experience that they feel like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm destined for something different because I survived. Yeah. 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 We feel that to the core. Yeah. Yeah. My my mother was um, a Holocaust survivor, and she, I think in her later years, not later years, meaning 50s and later, okay, yeah. she really, I think that was her way of dealing with stuff. I like that. I, I, I'd never heard that term. I don't know why. I just never had. So that was a new one to me when it was in your book. I think for me, post-traumatic growth... What happened was you go through something that's so traumatic, beating cancer five times. That's no feat in itself. Mm. And I think for me, it was just, how can I grow after this? So when I got my transplant, I was cancer-free up until I was 21 and then had secondary cancer. So after that, I was growing. You're still short. All your internal stuff is stopped growing from chemo and radiation. And so you're on a bunch of drugs and medications to help you get hopefully get back on track but for me I think it was just how can I grow from what I've experienced not grow this way now a word about our sponsor a bridge use a bridge to record your doctor visit Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store 
or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. I asked what we should have talked about that we didn't. Bill and Terry spoke about succession planning. What's happening next for Ryan? One of the things that you can't avoid is how do you go through each day? And again, we just talked about post-traumatic growth. There is a, especially with Ryan being a five-time survivor, there's a overriding concern all the time. How do we plan for his future? Hangs on us if he survives, outlives us. And it's hard to deal with those things, but we know at some point we got to deal with it. It's just inevitable. So those are things people have no idea when they insurance companies. Well, and it's not just you have the issues of the financial needs and care. They're not able right. to go out and support themselves, a normal uh, adult and all that. Yeah. So th there's different wrinkles, but we treasure each day. And yeah. It's like, it's hard to describe, yeah. but. So what, okay, I, I, now I got to go down this road. So this business of succession planning, it's okay. Now you're like faced with success. And if success continues, Ryan will survive you. And so how do you, it's like when it seems to me like with Olivia, you thought about succession planning differently. I'm remembering my conversation with her, the decisions she made for herself as she, as she got older and started taking control of her life. And, but anyway, so how do you think about that now? Like, how does that figure into your gestalt? I don't even know what to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I guess it would be. Are you, are you saying for Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I tell Olivia one of the greatest gifts any parent can appreciate this is when your child is out and gainfully working through their life and they're supporting themselves. She'll buy things and bring it to the house for us. And it's, 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 I know. It's we're great. not worried about her. And Ryan's a new ball game. With yeah. Ryan, but he does in, in his own way. And I carried one of my responsibilities was, and Terry and I, you want to talk about stress. Terry and I talked about it a lot, was carrying the insurance until yeah. he was 26. And then how do we go forward? And he was able, we were able to figure out the logistics of Medicare, mm -hmm. or Medicaid, yeah. and how he qualifies for that. And that's the greatest gift ever because yeah. he can't right. go out and attack the world like a 26 year old he's got appointments all the time but his but the health care right now for him is priceless so even though he has to make under a certain amount per year the health care for us is priceless he's like the janitor that leaves a million dollars to the school they <laughs> swept the floor in he takes that money seriously and he invests and he does everything that you would oh. think if you made five times as more mm -hmm. and he doesn't but this kid's going to come out on top because he's got that mindset yeah. that he's just going to squirrel away his cash, whatever he little he has, and it's going to build for him. Mm -hmm. I think well. he really believes that, and I think we do too. Mm -hmm. But it was the big piece, like Bill said, and everybody else is that Medicaid piece. And at 26, and he was okay with that because Bill talked about five, six hours a day, five hours a day of working is about enough for him. And because of the appointments that are 
constantly. Yeah. Thankfully, we've had the telehealth. That's helped tremendously. But there are things that he still has to have blood draws and so forth yeah. and be checked by a physician yeah. in real life. So we always and, have those. And Danny, what a lot of is invisible to most people is Dr. Shad talks about the late effects, but we talked about Ryan can only make a certain amount of money. There is opportunity that these kids lose for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it can be in employment. It can be in chasing their dreams, relationships, and yet we're really proud. Mm-hmm. I love your book. Your book is oh. riveting, and it's Thank really you. well written. And actually, oddly enough, not, I, let me, I'm going to say this differently. Go ahead. I really think at the end, the what different people wrote in the end that you get, gave people space for that I did. was brilliant. <laughs> and it really, I can add, the I'm book gonna, is really good, but it's great because of that. Thank you. I've, there's a couple of things with that. First of all, I didn't know, I didn't know how to end it initially because mm-hmm. Ryan's still here and it's not a sad story. So I started the book with the end. And then I needed a real end. Oh. And then I started thinking about all the people who have have seen us throughout this yeah. journey. And there's you know several hundred. Now, I did put it out there a few years ago, and these are the people that got back to me. And I thought, what better way, what testimony, better way? And how did their lives intersect with our lives? Mm. I just thought that was great. Yeah, there were some really heartfelt. There things. was. Not just some. Oh, a lot. Yeah. A lot. A lot. So, yeah. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I loved I loved how everyone and it have it everyone had this little bit different angle and that's yeah. exactly what I wanted. Raw, right. authentic from yeah. every individual. So thank I you. I think so as a nurse. One of the things that was one of the more fascinating things to me about being a nurse, besides being nosy, was <laughs> an EKG. That there is like these twelve different views of this one organ. So my, my vision of it is that it's this room with all these windows and people are looking or it's the blind yeah. men and the elephant, whatever that parable, but that people experience, I think part of empathy is that realizing that people experience the same thing. Like it's not the same what you experience and what they, it was like the core was what was going on with Ryan. And these people all saw it from these different angles. And that is just so ex- cool. Oh, that's precious. I love that. Like yes. EKG analogy. Wow. <laughs> that's powerful. I also think bottling empathy is probably another name for a good book. <laughs> yeah, bottling empathy. Got it. I wrote it down. Cool. What should I be asking you that I'm not? The, my My mom always as she's been working through the book and she's maybe maybe you should tell people if you think that Ryan is untouchable in so many if Olivia leaves the microwave dirty all oh, hell breaks oh, loose <laughs> but if the microwave is that's a bad example no but, but what I, I get do, what you mean just some I can do the same thing and right. it is a different conversation than should Ryan do the same thing which even at this age is still true, but 
I would say that it doesn't even necessarily bother me because I don't know that I would treat, I, I, I don't know that I would treat like it any different if it were my, you know, kids. That being said though, I just call it out because mm -hmm. it is to me a parent. Do you, do you desire to be a parent? I think so. Uh -huh. Eventually. Cool. Yeah. But after, yeah. Whenever it's, whenever it's yeah. the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. You want to ask me anything? Let's see. What is your favorite part about meeting different people and getting to hear their stories? That's a broad question, I know. It but what's is. your favorite part? Really, I think one of the things I really liked about being a nurse, I, I was really there intimately with people in their lives for a few minutes. I really in, enjoyed that. In a vulnerable that. state, too. Yeah. I I always liked the most challenging family dynamics and where people would be like, oh my God, there's such pains in the asses. Or somebody, <laughs> like to me, I like that because I could, I was like being there. Like what's going on? And I really enjoyed that. Just yeah, for some reason that did something for me. There and was so, minimal time for family drama just because there was other yeah. fish to fry. I have very little tolerance for drama, but what I was good at was we're here to do something. The family needs to either be more prepared to deal with whatever they have to deal with, that they're going home or they're at home. And so I could cut to the chase and what do we, how can I help you be more prepared, better able to deal things. And so with podcasting, oddly enough, this is a real opportunity for me to have that intimacy with people and hear a story about their lives. And, and, and I like the part about drama is the story of drama. Also fascinating. Certain it's, dynamics are fascinating. That's that's fascinating to any human. What people go through and what people deal with and their spirit and the solutions they find and the unexpected the unexpected things that happen. I I really enjoy that. What do you think it, it so unexpected? So what what has been for you, say, you know, it's just too big of a question to ask about your whole life since you've been in this situation for your whole life. But let's just say in the last, how old are you? 29. 29. Really? So say in the last 10 years, what has been a positively unexpected something that's happened to you? I never expected to stay at my current firm. Ah. for almost six years and right. I have been very blessed with awesome mentors and you know coaches and people who really look out for me and even when I think about 
okay, what is my next career move? The people really make it, which has been the case for my whole life, whether that's my soccer coaches, my friends, my teachers, my Mm -hmm. professors, whatever it might be. And so I think that it was unexpected to me because I never even thought I would make it past a year or two here. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting into more senior levels and I didn't that has been unexpected for sure wow that's great good for you good for you yeah it's been great okay thank you thank you so much it's a pleasure I'm getting to know you and uh, I wish you the best it's thank you you great I would (laughs) I would love to have a cup of coffee someday you never know Yes, I go to D.C. Know. every once in a while. Let me know. I'll let you, you know. What should we be sharing with the listeners? What would you like to share with them that we haven't talked about? Cancer is not rare. Some people may not want to share their stories, uh, their experiences, but support and be on chain, cut the grass, uh-huh, uh-huh. pressure wash the house. Uh-huh. Uh, that's something my parents never got to. Yeah, and yeah. So the grass will grow a foot tall and it looks like the house is abandoned because right, right. that's not their first deal of. Right, right. Bugging. They had to be at the hospital or get to the job or take care of Olivia or whatever. Okay. So it's not rare. Help out. Yeah, what else? Just do anything you can to help. I yeah. think that's the biggest one. Feel free to reach out to the family. They may not drop a note in the mailbox. They're not going to answer your text. They're not going to answer your calls. Dropping a thing in the mailbox or coming to the house after 7 o'clock and saying, what can I do to help? There's a lot of people who say, what can I do to help? And they never help. So yeah. if you're going to say that, man up and do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Depending on the moment, the context, the setting, we star in the show or support the star. We help or we need help. Whose story is it anyway? The person with symptoms usually stars the family supports. But scratch the surface, shift your position, look in a different window, add a new EKG lead, and your view changes. Thanks to the Tomoff family for allowing us to open the curtains. I strongly urge you to read The Focus Bite, A Childhood Cancer from Mayhem to Miracles, and hear more. If you have limited bandwidth, We understand limited bandwidth. I'd start by reading the last chapter, chapter 34, Illuminating Reflections from the Village, that takes almost 30% of the book. Each reflection from the village represents a different view on the Tomoff journey. Unique, fascinating, raw, uplifting. Ryan's mantra, the fire within that keeps burning, never give up. Never give in. Never, ever, ever give up. Everyone's mantra? Want to help? Just do it. Thanks to Kayla Nelson. 
web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.